Hello and welcome to In a Flash, a photo and video news show from around the lens. I'm your host, David J. Murphy. And I'm Travis Keys. And let's just get right into the news. Let's jump right. in. Let's jump in. Right. What do you got? What do you got for a first? Well, uh, we are going to talk about something we don't normally talk about. We never talked about it on Around the Lens, like the show proper, but I thought it was something interesting, something to think about. <laughs> But do we ever think about where the camera gear that we get comes from? Like really where it comes from, the minerals, the materials, the labor, all the different things. Because I'll be honest, I never really think about that. You know, I didn't think yeah. about that one about my Canon R5. I was just like, I want that sweet AK action. <laughs> well, this article from Petapixel basically says that no camera company is ethical. Uh, they're all basically very poorly scored on this list here none of them are best buy um and it just kind of got me thinking about you know what do we do when we realize hey we're buying stuff that you know is potentially toxic is you know being sourced or created by people who you know maybe aren't working in the best conditions and this article says well you should buy things used or secondhand that's kind of their answer to that uh, but let me just kind of go over some of the stats from this story um, basically, the company is called the Ethical Consumer. It's a UK-based organization, and they rate companies that you know create sports lenses, so the kind of lenses that you would put on a, a rifle for shooting and whatnot. And so, you know, they take that into consideration as well. Like, is this, you know, is this equipment being used for hunting or you know to cause the death of an animal? Right. Anyways, uh, they looked at twelve camera brands and. The top camera brands were Sigma. Sigma scored the best score, which was a nine out of 20. Uh, and then the followed by Hasselblad, Pentax, Ricoh scoring a 7.5, then Leica, GoPro, Nikon, Olympus, Sony. Hey, kudos for Sony, uh, which scored between a 5.5 and seven. Scoring at the bottom of the list were Canon, Fujifilm, Lumix, and at the very bottom was Samsung. So. Uh, a lot of manufacturers of stuff that we all use and love. Uh, what, what's your take on this, Travis? Is this, this is cause you pause or make you think about the, the equipment you're getting and where it's coming from? Well, it's, I mean, it's a really good question. I mean, I think, you know, transparency is a good thing that we, you know, can make choices of, you know, if they're like doing something that I'm really against, I can, you know, as a consumer, I can say, I, I'm not going to support that. But uh, I think we're getting in dangerous territory lately of, you know, cancel culture. And this just seems like, you know, it's like, if you really want to dive into it, you know, and suddenly like we're boycotting everybody and, and, and everything that we don't like or the way it's done, then suddenly, um, you know what our shelves are going to be really empty <laughs> but but at the same time you know what maybe it takes you know all of that to actually you know invoke the change that needs to happen in in a lot of these companies so there's good and bad with all of it uh, i just don't want to suddenly like well you know what you know they they didn't uh ethically euthanize that fish before you know they they killed it and uh, i you know it's like there's got to be you know parameters you know parameters of uh you know how far we go into what is ethical and what is not ethical uh but you know if they're you know child labor laws and all that stuff they're going against that yeah this is stuff you know you really want to know because what, what was it it was nike was using the child labor to make their shoes at one point you know and stuff like that and them that made right. a, a big change so these are very these are important topics as well yeah no i mean there's nothing there's no harm in knowing more about how you're favorite company of choice gets their equipment or gets their computer chips, right? I mean, inherently by using computer chips and everything uses computer chips, right? And silicon and 
all these rare earth minerals, right? And they have to come from somewhere and people have to labor for them and stuff like that. So it's kind of difficult to avoid that. Although I know with Apple specifically, just because they're the top of the heap and they're always under the microscope, you know, they've been trying to focus on making sure that their equipment has no toxic chemicals and there's obviously no child labor at their factories and stuff. Because if there is, they're going to get hammered, right? But we never hear about that, you know, from like coming from these camera manufacturers. And I think it's because, yeah. you know, they occupy a subset that doesn't, you know, not everyone is involved in, right? Not everybody has a DSLR or a micro four thirds or a mirrorless camera. It's only like us enthusiasts, right? And, you know, unless they're murdering little baby whales or baby dolphins or seals. To, yeah, then to people get, get the, very upset and take notice yeah. and stand up. Yeah. Yeah, Which so I think it's going to be my interesting is, you know, you brought up, you know, kind of like the rare earth uh, elements and stuff like that. And which were, yeah. you know, through coronavirus and, and and just the world in general, we're seeing a huge reduction in, in all of that. Uh, you know, like if you look at like the the uh, RTX uh, video cards, the 3080s and stuff like that, you can't get one. You know, they've, they've been swooped up from you know, the Bitcoin mining and all that, but also they just yeah. can't get enough material. So you start to wonder, well, how are they going to start getting that material? Are we going to have these cards? It's like is we're running to like even phone that take those kind of you know rare earth stuff like that it could be uh you know these up upping in price and rarity of some of this stuff so enjoy what you have now make that 12 that iphone 12 last a while <laughs> i know right yeah use get your use out of it of course if they don't make it uh you know built-in obsolescence right where it's just not going to yeah. work after a few years anyways like there was a big story about the playstation 4 not being able to play video games that you own because it can't connect to sony's server right you're looking at that far future where all these big companies take down their servers or if they go out of business, you know, are you still going to be able to play your games, you know? And yeah, I think you got to take that into consideration, at least with cameras, cameras are pretty autonomous. They're pretty much, they can exist self-sufficiently. You know, I, I don't have to ever get a firmware update for my Canon R5 again, and I can still use it until it basically stops working. Yeah. But when there and, are updates, you definitely want one. <laughs> oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, the, the updates have made my R5 so much better. Right. In, right. In when the they, last you know, few months for sure. When it first but comes I down, think, it overheats a little and then suddenly come up with a great firmware update and it doesn't overheat anymore. These are things that you want. <laughs> yeah. And then the next firmware update to the Canon R3, that's how they'll make the heating go away for good. We'll yeah. See. Right. Well, uh, but, you know, well, I just want, I just want my, my closing thoughts on the whole ethical thing is like knowing it is good. Will it make a camera buying decision for me in the future? Perhaps, you know, I can't yeah. rule out. I'd like to think I'm a, an ethical person who cares about the environment. Um, but I think it just has to be something that's brought up to the forefront. You know, it's not something people talk about enough. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I mean, if Sony came out the other day and said, well, you know, that uh, that new A1 you love so much, well, we had to kill a couple baby seals to make that, you know, could, you know, my that first question impact? would be, how many? <laughs> <laughs> well speaking about sony One sony actually yeah, yeah let's 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 go let's go down the damn it sure and speaking about sony you know sony yeah. just released a nut yet another lens they just seem to keep knocking out stuff out of the park yeah, in this right. last year one lens after another and cameras after after camera and i'm sure there's more cameras coming down the pipeline but sony has introduced their new 14 millimeter 1.8 g master and they say it's an impossibly good lens um i like that uh you know that focal range uh i think as a prime of 14 millimeters great not a lot of people use it um right. but uh people that want to use astrophotography or you know um you know landscapes or you know there, there's a lot of even some portraiture you could do some cool stuff with it but uh do you use a 14 millimeter range i don't use primes that often mm -hmm. you know almost every camera lens i have is a zoom 
when I was using my Micro Four Thirds, you know, GH5, I did have a, what was it, 10 to 25 millimeter F1.8. That was my widest. No, no, I had a 7 to 14 millimeter. So, I mean, I've shot in that range for sure. Uh, yeah. I love I love the wide angle, you know, it's great yeah. for those closed in environments or if you're trying to do blogging or a number of other things. I don't know if I could personally justify not getting a zoom in that range. I don't know if the extra wide aperture is worth it to have a prime. What what is your say on that? You, um, I mean, for a lot of the stuff that I shoot, like I used to do a lot of, you know, like urbex shooting indoors, you know, and in low light right. and stuff like that. So that 1.8 yeah. is just absolutely killer. And the sharpness sure. of those lens. And also it's a one pound lens. I mean, they're, they're making, yeah. I, it's amazing that they made this thing kind of so small and light. It's like right, 3.9 right. inches. Uh, uh, and I think in length and, uh, you know, it's it's maximum diameter is like 3.3. It was just like, they have, they have really done it really kick-ass job with this lens uh and they the detail and you know it's just ridiculous and they said even it has some vignetting at the 1.8 but actually i think right. that's sort of a character of the lens and it's not when i looked at the the example photos of the 1.8 with the vignetting i'm like yeah that's not a that's nothing i wouldn't you know <laughs> not a big deal uh so i i'm actually really interested in this lens i think it's a it's a pretty cool lens uh but the problem is is you know are you willing to drop the money on a g g master lens you know they're not cheap when you know right. you know you know like rogan on making a, a 2.8 for a thousand dollars less i mean there are choices out there but if you're you know making your money and, and really kind of depending on the best you can get this lens seems like it is the best in category for this lens uh, in that in the 14 millimeters you can't do better at this point on across the board yeah i was reading some people's comments about the story and they were saying how the third party or the the no non-sony competitor uh is like twice as big or you know twice yeah. as heavy so what they've been able to do with the small form factor and stuff and size and weight could be a, definitely a selling point for people yeah. who need the wide angle and need the wide aperture. So, you know, but again, I think it's a selective group. It's a very small group of people who probably need it, but you know, I'm glad that they made it for that group. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. sorry. They had to kill five baby seals to do it, but you know, at the end of the day, yeah, sacrifice, right? It's true. Um, it's true. And, you know, if you're taking pictures of those baby seals with this 14 millimeter lens, you can now upload them to Twitter at 4k. What? I might I know, right? <laughs> you might be thinking to yourself, 4K, that's a video resolution, Dave. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, basically, you know, they use 4K because it's like the average person understands 4K, right? They think, you know, they don't understand like super duper high resolution or X amount of megapixels, but you tell them 4K, okay, they can understand that. So what it basically means is that the photos you upload are going to be twice the resolution. So before right. I think the max was 2048 by 2048 now it's going to be 3840 by 3840 so it just means more more pixels when you upload to twitter i know i know you're big on the social media do you use twitter much does this well that was gonna i was actually gonna ask you the same exact question is like have you used uh you know twitter to you know, kind of use you know being photographers that that's a big deal kind of now it's like yeah i never I, you know twitter i kind of jump to every once in a while to see what's going on or someone that you know i i follow i haven't really used it in my own work or or, or even to really kind of it's not like i'll check facebook 17 times a day i'll check instagram a couple times a day yeah. i check twitter once or twice a day no not even it's like i, I check it a couple times a week maybe now that i can throw up the kind of cool images I'm, i might have to like you know involve it a little more in my in my spread of uh my information of what i put out there on the social media interwebs as they say uh so yeah it's i think it's pretty interesting i, I i'd be uh, i might have to dive dive a little deeper into this but uh, i got a question for you 
after you put up your image, you know, it's like, it, it's, it, we all got to get to that point of working with a client. But well, what if the client doesn't like your image? That's the story I saw on F stoppers. And I, I was a kind of, Hmm. And I, I watched it. And uh, it, did you watch the video at all before I jump, jump into the story? It's like, uh, yeah, I did the Daniel Northen Norton. Yeah, yeah, he 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 works uh, yeah. uh, for F Stoppers and does a bunch of videos. Um, I I thought it it was a very rudimentary uh, video. Uh, the whole kind of I think if if you're getting into photography and dealing with clients, it's a good video. But if if you yeah. get to the point where you're working with clients, if you don't know what he's saying, which basically comes down to the last thirty seconds, is good communication with your client, then yeah. you're probably not getting to the, that, that stage. You really need to, it's all about before you even step on that, you know, set or where, you know, location to really kind of have a discussion with your client and say, Hey, what are you expecting? What, you know, what can we expect? You're hiring me because this is what I shoot. You know, this is what are you looking for? And then once you, if there's a problem on the set, having that communication and really how to deal with it. And I thought, you know, what it boils down to is, communication what do you think of the video when when you watched it did you get a different kind of read on it well i thought to myself like when have i been in a situation where a client hasn't liked what i've provided for them and you know the only time i can think of where i provide something the client wasn't happy with was you know basically i was taking a photograph and the the background wasn't very good it, it didn't provide enough contrast from the subject and sort of, I knew that going into it, but I was kind of limited at the time in terms of what I had. So I still provide the image to the client, but when they came back and said they weren't happy, I was like, yeah, I wasn't happy with it either. And I basically redid the shoot for free because ultimately I don't want to give a client, you know, a bad piece of work, but ultimately, you know, they hired me based on what I posted as my portfolio. And on the opposite end of that, as someone who's hired photographers or, you know, had photographers work for me to produce content, you know, I can say I've been disappointed at times with what I've been given is sort of the end result. And I have to think to myself, am I disappointed with what has been given to me because, you know, my expectations weren't correct? Like, did I do my due diligence to see yeah. like, okay, could this person shoot the event that I was asking them to shoot, you know, because you know, they're different people with different skill levels and different, you know, have different experience shooting other things. So did I pick the right person for this shoot? You know, was my expectations too high? And yeah, I guess, again, it comes down to client expectations and, you know, communication. Like you said, if, if the client thinks they're going to get something that you're not capable of doing, or you're not your specialty, then, you know, you got to make sure you educate the client too. Yeah. You know, it's not just communication, it's, it's education. Right. Yeah. Like, hey, I want you to shoot this thing that, you know, you don't have a you know, particular specialty in and I'm expecting brilliant work, but it's not your specialty. You know, you got to kind of be like, tell the client, hey, listen, it's not what I do every day. My specialty is portraiture, not sports photography. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had an experience once with, yeah, I had an experience once with a client uh, that basically, you know, I, they had hired me you know, because of my social media and all, all the stuff that they had seen to shoot right. a, an engagement uh, dinner uh, for them. Uh, uh, it was a, no, it was a bridal, bridal uh, uh, 
so a dinner uh, for the for the bride. And uh, yeah. I, I went and shot it and uh, I didn't have that conversation ahead of time of like, what are your expectations in my photos? So right. normally when I shoot something like that, I maybe take, you know, 15% of all the photos will be of the, the, the settings and, and, and uh, all the kind of uh, decorations and all that kind of stuff. And the rest yeah. is, you know, 85% of the people and, and, and the event, uh, which is, you know, 99% of the people what that's exactly what they're looking for. Unfortunately, this person is more like the social media influencer type of person and they wanted it like 80% of it being the decorations and you know all the beautiful cupcakes and this kind of stuff so when I handed over the photos they were kind of like well where's all the other stuff I'm like what do you mean where's the other stuff like <laughs> you didn't well they didn't tell me and I didn't ask so it was like uh, so always have that conversation ahead of time yeah you know what one client who never complains is mother nature <laughs> never complains about anything I take of her. She's always happy. She with, just with tells you. Shots. She tells you what she's going to do. <laughs> That's she just, it. She just does what she does and you do what you do. And whatever happens, happens, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, the 2020 Landscape Photographer of the Year Awards were announced recently. And the competition winner uh, wrote a little article for Petapixel. Chris Frost is his name. And he talked about how he got the winning photo and sort of what went into that shot and yeah. you know it's a beautiful shot and obviously required you know a lot of sort of you know research and idea you know walking through the area that he was going to shoot you know going there on multiple days so really taking the time and effort to you know set up the shot you know i mean i don't shoot a ton of landscapes myself and when i shoot a landscape it's usually just i'm happened upon it <laughs> you know i don't do any research it's just whatever happens yeah um you actually posted some very nice landscape photos for earth day on, a, on facebook <laughs> Uh, Travis, so you seem to be, you know, right in this guy's alley in terms of your landscape work. You do much yeah. landscape work? Um, I, I definitely... I, I like to travel a lot. So I, uh, yeah. that is part of it. And I think it's, you know, the wonderful thing is like, every, no photographer likes to be like, Oh, what, what, what do you shoot? You know, it's like, you know, and being pigeonholed to one thing is like, I'm a landscape or I'm a bridal art. Yeah. And this and the other kind of seems when you say you're a travel photographer, you can shoot everything because in travel, you're shooting portraits, you're shooting where you're staying, you're shooting, you know, the food you're eating, the landscape. So it's like this kind of, a, you know, passport to shoot whatever you want. But uh, I love shooting, you know, and, uh, when I'm traveling, but like you, I don't do a whole lot of research you know, like with this guy. You're saying, you know, like knowing when the sun rises or knowing getting out there that early, it's like, I'm sort of like stumble upon something cool and get a shot. I'm like, all right, I'm here. Where am I going to get the best shot? And I make the best shot. I, I, I look at his photo, which is actually beautiful. It's, you know, a forest. It seems like, you know, a little fog and this, you know, a little light coming from the background, these flowers everywhere, these little wildflowers. It's a beautiful, beautiful shot. Um, and, you know, when I look at that, I'm like, hmm, maybe I should spend a little more time. Imagine what I could do. You know, if I'm getting amazing shots just by happening upon them. Imagine if I did a little pre-planning. <laughs> so right. yeah, it's a you it's might a beautiful be the photographer, shot. landscape photographer of the year. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's in my future. <laughs> you know, I thought was interesting here. He's not using anything special with regard to his equipment. You know, he's got like a, a D3200, which is like yeah. a really old camera. You know, Sigma 10 to 20 millimeter lens. He's shooting at f11. So you know, he's not doing anything or shooting anything that's out of the realm of, you know, what anyone can produce. It's just, you know, he's taking the time to do the legwork, literally, to find the best locations and set up the shot. And he knows how to create a, a beautiful and compelling well, I think he just kind of summarized it right there. It's like where, you know, I love like running around and taking different shots and capturing moments. Landscape photography really requires you to slow down. 
and to set right. up a tripod yeah. and wait. And, you know, you know, it's like suddenly like, all right, I'm, I've been here a minute. I'm ready to move on. You're like, you know, maybe yeah. I need to wait an hour for the fog to roll in or the sun to rise just right. It's like it's a, it's a more peaceful kind of like Zen process that you kind of have to sit there. It's like fishing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you throw it out there and you wait and wait and wait. And when it, you know, you get a bite, then that's, you pull it in, you know. So, yeah, it's a, it's a little di- different beast. Um, Most of my landscape work is usually with the panorama function on my phone. I just go there you go there's a landscape all right done moving on <laughs> for our last uh topic tonight uh i, I saw a article on f-stoppers and it was a photo retoucher that was criticized for adding smiles to a cambodian citizen murdered by the Khmer rouge um which made me think and really kind of like kind of shocked me at first, you know, looking at yeah. that and uh, to take a subject matter that is so kind of like, whoa, and add a smile to it. Wow. Uh, did you did you read this article? I, I believe I sent it to you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I did have a chance to look over it. And it's it's just disturbing, honestly, that, you know, this person would think, you know, hey, this is a subject I want to tackle, right? This is where I want to go with my artistic career is to add smiles to people who have died, you know, murder victims, you know, I guess, every artist has to do what they want to do. And some people like to be shocking. Right. So I think yeah. he's doing this for the, the sake of being shocking. But then I saw this other story about, you know, the person who was adding uh, movement to images of, you know, Holocaust victims. And I'm like, you know, there's, I think there's certain subject matters that, you know, we as the general public really shouldn't go into yeah. you know, out of respect for the situations and the dead. I think, yeah, I think that he definitely crossed the line, you know, in these in this sort of artistic endeavor, in my opinion. What do you think? Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, it, it kind of brings me to the, the bigger question of, uh, you know, the, about uh, image manipulation on the whole. And uh, where, where is that line and where do we cross it? Because if you look at I know when I'm shooting, I granted I make a lot of my money doing social media uh, campaigns for people, whether it be companies or celebrities or influencers or just, you know, people that want to get their their whole kind of pop to their to their social media and yeah. we're starting to see that a regular picture of someone they don't recognize themselves as that anymore they want to look like the social media versions of themselves or how they kind of picture themselves sure. they should be and it's it's kind of getting scary because you know i was like i'll shoot a picture it's like ah, your picture is beautiful but i don't like the way i look it's like what do you mean you don't right. look like you look beautiful in this picture it's like yeah but and then suddenly you realize that they have an image of a picture online of someone else how, how they want to look and i'm finding that more and more and it's kind of scary it's like well i know i'm going to make them look into that but then again am i taking pictures of people or am i taking pictures of the idea of who they want to be and it's it's like where's the line anymore it's like it's <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think that goes back to our earlier topic about clients not being happy yeah. You know, clients might have this expectation that you're going to take these beautiful images that they see on social media, not realizing how much work and effort and, you know, potential goes into, you know, Photoshopping goes into that, you know, and they may see the camera, the, the picture out of the camera, if you're, you know, I don't know if you do the, you know, client preview where they're looking at the image on an iPad as you're shooting, do, do you ever do that? Or is it more like they the tether kind of shoot? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I'm actually kind of kind of known for that. Like, I will take a picture oh, okay. and instantly send it from my Sony to my phone. Nice. Do a quick edit on Snapseed and show it to them. They're like, "Oh my god, can you send that to me?" So I like, oh, you know, oh. they're leaving that day with a couple teaser uh, shots, yeah. like from the shoot that day, and then I'll go back and really kind of re-edit stuff and, and do stuff. See, on but my you main you edit them before they see them. I'm talking like you know, no, they'll, they'll, and- sometimes they'll, I'll just show it back to your camera or straight to the phone. Okay, you know, I don't always 
always do a quick edit, but uh, okay. you know, well, but the, the thing is, is like I am shooting raw, so it, it needs to be finished. You know, there's there yeah. there has to be certain things that are done, so it's not like I'm really kind of I'm not changing like you know, oh, I'm not uh, going in and taking out the lines or you know, or or you know, doing uh, you know what is liquefied to their face to make it smaller. You know, it's like, I'm actually right. just taking an image and just kind of finishing the color on it, you know, and then finishing it. So it's not a, like a super redone version. Like we're seeing of like manipulating, putting a smile on or, you know, making someone, you know, uh, the background totally different, you know, it's, it's still the picture. Well, you know, as we've talked about in the past, you know, you're not held to the stringent demands of like a photojournalist exactly. when you're doing a portrait yeah. session. So how far are you manipulating? Are, are you just doing the color correction? Or are you doing, like what level of manipulation are you doing to someone's portrait? It truly depends on the type of portrait I'm shooting. Um, I, I mean, I, I've certainly gone in and add all kinds of stuff, you know, in, in Photoshop, you know, from uh, different, you know, like uh, I, I did one recently with someone that uh, loved American beauty and wanted to do the kind of the rose petal. Uh, and I was, you know, shooting and I had people on both sides throwing in rose petals. But when I got back, I'm like, there were a couple of spaces that weren't, you know, filled with rose petals. So I actually went in and added rose petals to the, to the shot, you know? So I'm, I'm, there's things that I do, whether it's adding a haze or a smoke or, you know, maybe changing something in the background or, or, or I didn't like, you know, oh, there's a garbage can I missed in the shot. Let me get rid of that. You know, it's like, so I'm not a journalist, you know, tied to like, I can't change this stuff. Like, no, I can change anything I want. You know, I don't, when it comes to like shooting portraits of people, if it's, if they have a, a pimple or something that's not going to be there in a couple of weeks, I have no problem taking out. But in terms of making, when someone asks me like, Oh no, take 10 pounds off me. I'm like, do you want to look like someone else? Or do you want to look like you? Like there's a line that I'm like, yeah. like, let's make you the beautiful, you know, I see you as beautiful. Let me capture you. And most of the time we get there, but there's people that just have these images of themselves that just aren't realistic. And they, they want, you know, like I need my arms are too fat or, you know, it's like yeah. they have such images of themselves and on set, you have to make them feel more comfortable or, or do little camera tricks. Like, you know, turn your arm this way or, you know, different things you can do if they're self-conscious about things about themselves that you can camera trick it in, in camera. Well, it could be like a body dysmorphia that they get from, you know, seeing absolutely. all these other images absolutely. that are manipulated, yeah. you know, whether it be in magazines or on Instagram or whatever. There's a, 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 a someone in my neighborhood who's a beginning photographer, right? And she, you know, has no photojournalism background. She just is learning photography and doing portraiture and stuff like that. So I see her work and, you know, she has no qualms against adding elements to it, you know, like overlay elements, you know, like, uh, balloons or flowers or whatever might make it more you know nice portrait photo or changing yeah. the, the sky right and so that's kind of bled into my wife and she's like looking at my photos and being like why don't you replace the sky on that shot why don't you do this and you do that and i'm like no no hon i keep it everything authentic there's only been a few <laughs> times where i've ever manipulated an image that i've published and i've always made it clear to anyone who might look at it that this image has been manipulated like one time you know, and again, this comes from shooting kids, right? My kids, particularly, who don't pay attention and don't follow directions. And, you know, you're lucky to get them looking at the camera and smiling, right? So, you know, I'll take and do a little face swapping, right? So if one's looking at the camera and the other one's not, and then the next frame, the other one's looking and the other one's not, I might do, I've done a little, you know, face swapping, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, harmless stuff but it's meant you know again i, I always identify because i don't want anybody to think like that's representative <laughs> of my professional work because it's just family stuff for for sharing on facebook and whatnot but well, i gotta say this yeah. this topic is like one of the i think we could do multiple episodes on this and you know what oh, anyone yeah. out there we want to hear what you think because it's just so important you know i think this topic uh, it, 
is so huge that uh, it's great to hear uh, our, our viewers and listeners' uh, uh, interpretation of this and what they think. Where's the line in, in social media and, and image manipulation? It's uh, it's one that we want to have a further conversation with you guys. So get in touch with us. How do how do they get in touch with us? Okay. Well, they can go to aroundthelens.com and find links to all of our social media. You can send us an email at info at aroundthelens.com. Uh, and again, you can comment on any of where you see social media posts related to this this story and whatnot. So by all means, ping us. Let us know what you think. We want to hear your voices and thoughts. But uh, I think that's going to end this week's show. Uh, do you Are you okay with that, Travis? I think that is uh, in a flash. With a All couple right. more, with a couple more flashes added on to the end, but uh, yeah, <laughs> we're bouncing. We're out. <laughs> <laughs>